fight. So, I kept listening for one thing. My favorite part of, of worship. is the sermon. <laughs> Sondra, do you still have counseling sessions available? I'll be there tomorrow morning. Hey, um, we are in the fourth week of a series um, that my daughter Kaylee thought of the name for called Monsters. And um, we, we've been talking about these Monsters or monsters, if you need the translation, um, that attack our heart. And it's so important that we do guard the heart because as the Proverbs writer says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And, And we think that might be kind of a strong statement that everything you do flows out of your heart. Because so much flows from your your mind or so much flows from your thoughts. But what the proverb writer says is, no, above everything else, guard your heart. Because everything that you do, it flows out of the heart. And so the second week, we talked about guilt. And ultimately, guilt creates this debt-to-debtor relationship that says, I owe you. We, We feel bad because we have done something like not followed through on the promise to get your child an ice cream cone, and you feel guilty about it, and now you owe them. And the way that we fight guilt, that monster, is through confession. But it's not just confession to get it off of our chest so that we feel better about ourselves, but genuine confession leads to genuine change, that it's about changing who we are from the inside out. And last week, we talked about anger, and anger says, you owe me. You have done something that I perceive is wrong to hurt me, and so now you owe me. And the way that we fight that monster is through forgiveness. And so today, we're going to start with a new monster. And this one is probably one of the more difficult ones because we don't see it in ourselves. But first, a story. So when we had first started dating, we had been married for a little while, we had um, we're kind of in a hurry and running through a drive through one day. And so we go through and we go up to the window at Wendy's. And I said, yes, I will have a double cheeseburger with no tomatoes, no onions, biggie size with a Dr. Pepper. Now, for all of you who have worked a window to drive through before, you know that's some pretty incredible job ordering food. Um, I had it down. And so I order my food and I ask my wife what she wanted. She says, I'll just have a burger and a drink. And so I order. I said, you don't want anything else? You you good? I'm good. And so we're driving down the road, and I start eating my double cheeseburger and my large fries. And all of a sudden, a hand reaches into my bag and grabs some of my fries. And I said, Wait, 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 wait. Just a second ago, we were at a drive through window, and I asked you if you wanted anything, and you said no. You want any fries? No, I'm good. I was just going to eat some of yours. And so, um, like any good husband, I pulled the car over to the side of the road and put it in park. 
And I said, we need to have a discussion right now that's going to save our marriage. When we go through a drive-thru, I am going to order what I want to eat. And you order what you want to eat. And if you want fries, you order fries. I'll buy you whatever you want. You order to your heart is content. Well, I just wanted a few. I said, well, then buy a small thing of fries, and I will graciously eat the rest of them. (laughs) But this is for the good of our marriage. And so we went on down the road, and I, out of guilt, gave her a few of my fries. And I I thought, after I'd eaten and my stomach was full, I thought, that sounded kind of greedy. And once I was hungry again, I realized it was not. But for that moment, it sounded like greed. Now, I will be happy to tell you, after 13 years of marriage, this last year, my wife and I went to a restaurant, and we... we share we shared a meal we got fajitas for two and we shared and you think well that that kind of sounds greedy but here here's the deal with greed greed is so difficult to see in yourself and maybe of all the monsters that we deal with Greed is the one that we are least likely to admit exists. Because it hangs out and it lurks in the shadows. But I can tell you this, greed will wreak havoc on your heart. And it will grab hold and it won't let you go. And the problem is, you won't even realize it's there until it is too late. See, greed creates this debt-to-debtor relationship that says, I owe me. That I need to take care of myself because I'm afraid no one else will. It creates this string of what-ifs. What if I don't have enough? What if I don't get what I deserve? What if they get more than me? So greed says, I owe me. That I need to take care of myself because I don't believe someone else will. You see, ultimately, greed is a heart issue because greed is a security issue. It's a belief that we need to take care of ourselves because we aren't really sure if someone else will. And so in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15, Jesus is having a conversation, and he's asked to be the ruler, to be a judge among the people. And he says to them in verse 15, then he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of of possessions. You've all heard about the bumper sticker, the one who dies with the most toys wins. And you've heard people say like things like, well, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul until now. 
This is a picture of Stuart Funeral Homes' newest purse. And this is the deluxe package, I believe. Right, Dwight? We, we, we know that in the end, you don't get to take it all with you. Like, whatever you have in the end stays here. But there is this thing inside of us. That thing is what I would say is the monster of greed. That says you need to get more and more and more for yourself. You need to make sure that you are secure, that you provide for you. Because if you don't provide for you, no one else will. See, greed is really a question about our trust in God. It's a question of do you believe that God will provide for you and be your source of security? Or do you truly believe deep down in your heart that it's your job to do that? See, it's the fear that God can't or won't provide. Could I borrow a couple of you guys, any of you? Brandon, Darren, you don't even have to say anything. You just get to come stand, and I'm going to give you some stuff. One can stand here, and one right over here. Thank you. So we do have some basic needs in our life. You have the need for water. You, you have the need for clothes, thank you. You have the need for security. You have the need to have a place to sleep and to be provided for. You have the need for relationships. You have the need for direction, for purpose. The, the believing your life exists for something more than you. Do we have these basic needs that we have to have fulfilled? That every single person in this room needs. But then there's this other side. Some things that we, we want. Because we don't just want clothes, we want nicer clothes. And, and of course you need a computer. And a phone. And you need cable. And you need nice things so you look good for other people. And, and you want to be noticed and known. And you want really good food, not just food to provide. We need with an arm sleeve. You want to travel. And be able to do fun things in different and exotic places. And you don't just want security, you want stability. You, you want something that's going to last, that's going to stand the test of time. And you have these needs that every one of us needs. But then there's a lot of wants. See, greed lives in the gap 
There's this gap between what we need and what we want. And greed lurks in the middle. It hides out and it blurs the line between the two. And it says, I know you want relationship, but there's so much more. Just at the click of your phone, you can find intimacy and no one has to even talk back to you. I I know you want security, but what you really need is stability. And all of this stuff starts to get a hold on you. And it blurs the line between the two where it gets really difficult to tell the difference between what we need and what we want. I'm going to throw all this back in here for just a second and just hold that. And let's not throw the rock on my iPad. And we have all this stuff that we want. You know what's really interesting? Is if you were just to look at the box, it looks pretty full. And if you look at this box, it looks like there's a lot of room left for more. And what greed does is greed convinces you there's always room for more. Y'all can just set those there. Thank you very much. Greed lives in the gap between needs and wants, and it blurs the line between the two. And so Jesus tells them, watch out and guard yourself against all kinds of greed. He goes on, verse 16. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, when we're here with these needs that we feel aren't being met, one of the first questions we ask is God, Why don't I have enough? God, why don't I have enough food? Why don't I have enough money? Why don't I have security? Do you know the question we don't hear people ask? God, why do I have more than enough? Why do I have more than I need? And you have this man 
who has this abundant crop and he says, well, I'm going to take all that I have. I'm going to take this abundance. I'm going to tear down the barns that I do have. I'm going to build bigger ones and I'm going to store them away. And I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take care of me and myself and my needs. And he never asked the question, God, why have you given me more than I need? And it's because he already knew the answer. It's because I worked hard for what I have. It's because I deserve what I got. It's because I'm smarter than the next guy who doesn't have enough. See, greed blurs this line. And it convinces us that this is here because of me. And that I've provided for myself this sense of stability and security and affluence. And it's all about me. And it's the very thing that God told the Israelites to be careful about. In Deuteronomy, he says, be careful. Because when your cities have grown large and you have plenty to eat and your land produces crops, be careful that you don't start to say to yourself that it's my wisdom and my strength of my hands that produce this wealth for me. Remember that it was the Lord your God who gave you this inheritance. See, this greed issue that deep down is a security issue, is really a perception issue. It's the way that we see the world and the way that we see our place in it. And greed will convince you that it's all about you and you deserve what you have and the lines have been blurred between what you need and what you want. And we never stop to ask the question, why do I have more than enough? And in verse 20 he says this, but God said to him, you fool." This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? See, here's the bad news for him. He's going to run out of time before he runs out of stuff. And in the end, who's going to get all that he has? Someone else. See, here's the crazy thing. The more you have, the more you think about and worry about all you have. The more you're worried about losing all you have. And in this gap where greed lives, greed produces anxiety. And I think right now in our country, we see this now more than ever. Because this line that's blurred 
between needs and wants has caused this I issue, this heart issue, this security issue, where people are anxious about losing what they have because they find their security in their bank account, in their president, in their politicians, and they look to that to be their provider. And when that's in question, your security and your stability is left in question. And it seems like every time we have an election, there's more and more and more anxiety about losing what we have. And there's just this basic question, like at the end of the day, regardless of who is in Washington or who is in Austin, is God still in control and sovereign over all? At the end of the day, does God still win the day? At the end of the day, does the cross still triumph over everything? Because if it does, it changes the way that you see the world and it changes the way that you see all that you have. And the day that this man decided to keep all that he had, he really lost all that he had. Because he found his possession in what he had. And I love the words of Paul. He says, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Having plenty or being in need. What is that secret? The secret is Jesus is the source of my security and not what I have. I wonder, deep, deep down. I mean, because it's easy at church, right? Yeah, we believe that, and yeah. But like at the end of the day, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, do you find rest knowing that Jesus has won the day? Do you find hope and security in him and in Christ alone? Or is it in Christ plus everything else you have? And he goes on to say this. This is how it will be. With whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And as we stand here with all that we have, all these wants, Jesus says there's a way. There's a way to shine light into the gap between what you need and what you want. And it's through generosity. It's through taking all that you have and realizing that it is a gift from God and that because I have been blessed, I am going to bless other people with it. But this is mine. And I need it. 
And if I give it away, what if there's not enough left? See, greed is fueled by fear. It's fear that at the end of the day, God can't or won't take care of you in the way that you think he should. And in our country, especially our church with the affluence, it's really difficult to see where the line is. It gets blurred so easily. And the monster of greed lurks in the middle. He hides himself in the gap. And he blurs the line. And we combat it with generosity. With giving graciously. First of all, through percentage giving. I would just say... If you do not give a percentage of your income, start now. Start giving. If you have never given, say, I'm going to give 2%. I'm just going to see what happens. I'm going to test God. I'm going to give 2% and just see what happens. See if God doesn't begin to bless you. If you've been giving 3 or 4%, try 5 or 6%. But what happens is, is we start holding on to what we have and we start giving, we start choosing to be generous based on what we see. And God says, well, if you'll just give, if you'll be generous, I promise you will be blessed. It might not look like this, but I promise you, I will bless you. And then secondly, give spontaneously. As you see people in need, give. You don't need to give to everyone, but you do need to give to someone. There always needs to be someone around you that you're investing in their life. Whether it's in your time, whether it's in your talents, whether it's in your treasures, that you are giving and pouring your life into someone else. Not just throwing money at people. Not just throwing problem or money at problems, but actually investing our life in those around us. And you think, well, okay, well, why, why is this so important? The most gracious and generous God gave. The, the most generous act we ever see, and John points this out kind of like the anchor of his gospel. He said that God so loved the world that God gave his one and only son. And whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God loved, so God gave. God loved you so much that he would not leave you where you are. He would not leave you in your guilt. He would not leave you in your anger. He would not leave you in your greed. And he gave you a light 
to light up the darkness so that you could see the monsters in your life. So that you could have freedom. That you could have this abundant, fulfilling life. Not just someday way off in the future, but here and now. Because we find our hope and we find our strength in Christ. I I wonder how many of us live in the gap. Not being able to see where the line is. Because the monster of greed has grabbed your heart and made it really difficult for you to see. And maybe simply this morning that is our prayer. God, help us to see the monster of greed in our life. And help us to be generous so that we can see that our source of security Our stability, our strength comes from Christ and Christ alone. Father, today, we pray that you would give us the strength as we battle these monsters. These monsters that hide in the corners, that lurk under our beds, that hide in the gaps. Help us to see them. And help us to believe that you have a better way for us to do life. That there is a way that leads to hope as we fight the monster of greed and his generosity. Father, help us to give generously of our life and of our possessions just as you have and always will do. Father, remind us that we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. And Father, that this world would be a better place because of Jesus' light in our life. Father, make us more like Jesus today. And we pray this in his name. Amen.